Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. are here once again during this holiday season let me quote the great Bono who once said and I quote you can have it all if you give it all away right give it all away giving is better than receiving and I think that is the way of the world at least here in Duval. I think the older you get, the more you can actually appreciate that. I don't know when it happened. I talked about it during the J Fund, uh, the record-setting performance that we, uh, that you put up in, uh, in late November. But I don't know when that actually happens because I, I know when I was a snotty little kid for Christmas, I mean, receiving presents was just so incredibly important. Uh, but... There's a point in your life where you kind of cross that line, right? And seeing someone else smile, see someone else having a good time. Um, it, it, this isn't lip service. This isn't canned. It's a, it's a real, true feeling. Now, searching for presents, looking for presents, having to go anywhere in your store um, it creates hives uh, for me, okay? I mean, especially this time of year. You got to look out with those carriages, especially if there's someone who's overfed behind the carriage. It's like a pulling guard. Jaguars can't run for crap, okay? I mean, the Jaguars right now, it's a brick wall. You can't run behind Fortner. You can't run behind Sheriff. You can't run behind Ezra Cleveland or anyone else. Some of those ladies out, out in the market, some of those men out in the market shopping, looking for Christmas gifts, that sweet ass, you could run behind them. No question about it. So anyway, make sure you keep your head on a swivel if you're out there. Uh, I recommend just doing it online. That has always been the best way to shop. But remember, it's about giving, not receiving. We want all of you to have a very happy holiday. By the way, 260 Crab, the good folks of the Blue Crab Crab House, open right now. You can get yourself a $50 gift card, and it's worth 65 bucks. When you hand it to someone, it's going to say 65 on it. It only cost you 50 What a brilliant gift that would be. All right, we got a lot to do here tonight. Really looking forward to the program. Um, I'm really concerned about this game. I, I still can't believe they won a year ago. I, I mean, this looked like it was going to be a thrashing, this football game. Baltimore last year in the 28-27 uh, loss for them where Jackson will put up 18 points in the fourth quarter. All week long, the emphasis for Jacksonville was how do you defend the run? Remember, they went to a three-safety set to start the ball game. It was Andrew Wingard uh, who was in there with Cisco and Jenkins. And, you know, I, I look back on it today. Wingard had three tackles. Baltimore still ran the ball for 162 yards. Uh, for what it's worth, Baltimore's best back is out. Uh, Dobbins is out. They're very talented tight end. Mark Andrews is out. I mean, every team is dealing with injuries. They're active roster right now. They are pretty healthy outside of Kyle Hamilton. I think we won't know the answer to that one until 90 minutes before kick. Make sure you keep it right here 
on your proud home of the Jaguars. 10-10 on the AM, 92.5 on the FM. We'll have everything for you as far as the actives, inactives, uh, coming up at right around 11.30 on Sunday. But, you know, that was what Jacksonville did. And I was sitting next to Dave Campo in the box, and we noticed a three-safety look. Uh, The feeling was, let them beat you in the air. Let's defend the run. This was also a game last year where Chad Muma got the start. You know, Devin Lloyd kind of hit that rookie wall. And they sat him down. Now, Lloyd did get some snaps in the game. He did play about a third of the time. Uh, But for the most part, it was Chad Muma. And was all said and done, you look at the numbers, it's just crazy. 403 total yards for Baltimore. They went 8 of 14 on third down. And again, 162 yards on the ground. What did Jacksonville do to match that? Nothing. Travis Etienne went out in an injury, had two carries, three yards. Your leading uh, ground carrier in the game was Jamichael Hasty, 20 carries, 38 yards. Uh, actually, that's what Jacksonville had for the, for the game, 20 for 38, Hasty 12 for 28. So the Jaguars could not run, and that is a, that is a huge wart right now. It, it, it really is. It's... It's something that has to change. And it's going to be very difficult to do that against the Baltimore Ravens defense, which, as we know, has been incredibly productive, both against the run as well as against the pass. Uh, You look at what Baltimore is doing. They're second overall in scoring defense. They're only giving up 16.8 a game, yet offensively they match it by putting up 27.8. You know, that's number four. Uh, in the NFL, and Jacksonville hasn't been able to run the football. It's been eight consecutive games where Travis Etienne has not gone north of 100 yards. Uh, The Jaguars as a whole have basically become a pass-only football team, and that petrifies me, even though I think they'll win their next three games after Sunday night. I think when it's all said and done, Jacksonville's going to be 11 up, six down during the 17-game season. They will host a wild card game here the second weekend of January. But once you face better competition, being able to run the football is incredibly important. Once again, defensively, the Jags are really good against the run. You know, they're number four in America or number four in the NFL, and I think a little bit of that is skewed. Um, If you look at some of the early success that Jacksonville had and halftime leads during that win streak, teams did become a little bit one-dimensional in the second half. They were forced to pass the football much more than they did run it, and whether that's fair or unfair, I don't know. I'll leave that up to you. Uh, I've given you too many numbers, frankly, right? I mean, I'm not Mr. Analytics here. It's about the eye test. It's about observing what this team is doing. I'm conflicted right now, okay? They've lost two straight. I think they're going to lose a third straight. We saw San Francisco do that two months ago. San Francisco now is arguably the hottest team in the NFL. They won five in a row. Some will say Denver, who's won six of seven. Uh, There's not a team who's elite, 
There's not a club right now where you can just point to them and say, ah, there they are. Is it Dallas? Well, guess what? I picked Buffalo this weekend. Dallas is incredible at home. What? What is it? Nine straight games, 30 or more points uh, in Jerry's world. They're as average as the day is long on the road. Three and three this year. You're going to pick Dallas, an indoor team, going to play in, in Buffalo? I'm not. I've already picked the Bills. Is it Philly? Yeah, it looked like it was Philadelphia until the last three weeks. No way. Is it Kansas City? Kansas City looks old. Kansas City all of a sudden looks like an old football team. Patrick Mahomes is whining. Patrick Mahomes thinks he's Tom Brady and he's going to get all these calls. He gets his share. You got to win more Super Bowls to get it the way that Brady once did. His wide receivers are a bunch of divas who do not make big-time plays. Still, the guy to beat is one of the best tight ends in the history of the game who looks old, doesn't he? I mean, how much longer does Kelsey have? Is this it? Still playing at a Pro Bowl level, but it kind of feels like the end with Gronk. Uh, We're seeing that now with Kelsey. This is all good news for the Jacksonville Jaguars. There really isn't that dominant team Right now, this is so wonderful the way that this league is. And, you know, the 20 years of the Patriots, and you look at all those years of Seattle and all the years of the success of the Pittsburgh Steelers, albeit they haven't won a playoff game in what now? Eight years? Under Mike Tomlin. There's this feeling that even in a salary cap era, there still has been dominant teams that you can pick the AFC, you can pick the NFC winner and put them in the Super Bowl. There hasn't been too many things over the recent years that have been completely obscure. Maybe the biggest was all the sacks that Cincinnati allowed, yet they were able to get there, uh, despite the fact that you know Joe Burrow was getting crushed, that offensive line was just terrible, and they still found a way to go out and win a lot of football games. That's not the case this year. This season becomes literally about survival. It's what does the injury report look like right after the game? And what's it going to be like the week of the game? Jacksonville actually added a guy today. They have 14 players on their injury report. Remember a year ago. You know, you lost Ben Barch early. You lost Cam Robinson late. You lost Shaq Griffin in week five during the game. That's basically it. Yeah, you had a couple of others here and there, but if you look at starts, and I I, I don't know this, but it feels like the way the NFL does it is 12 and 12, right? Three wide receiver sets, two tight ends, nickel back in uh, with your base defense. Depth charge typically lists 12 and 12, even though you play 11 and 11. If you were to take the 12 offensive players, 12 defensive players for Jacksonville and look at lost starts a year ago, it was absolutely phenomenal. Incredible. That's not the case this year. Ross Matisic actually added uh, to the injury report a little bit earlier today. That's important. Jacksonville been very, very good. One of the better special team, uh, one of the better special teams in all of the NFL, punting. Kicking, Brandon McManus, maybe the best offseason signing this year 
uh, for Trent Baalke. Jamal Agnew, are they going to call him back? If so, we'll find that out tomorrow. Saw him in the locker room yesterday. Parker Washington, he's got a little health of skelter to him. I, I think he's going to be okay. I do. I mean, I think next year he's your backup slot to Christian Kirk. I think next year, you know, with all of the decisions this football team is going to have to make, I don't know what you're going to pay Jamal Agnew. It could very easily be Parker Washington. Remember, the whole return game is is now officially split in half. Another foolish rule by the NFL. Another stupid rule by the NFL. The kick is the best part of the game. You run out of the tunnel. You're draining your beer. Everyone's hooped up and hollering and yelling and spitting. Everything's great. And then all of a sudden, you know, you kick off. The crowd's going nuts. And you get a touchback. It's like, you know, it's it's like the biggest, like, you know, just kick below the belt that you can have. This is the most exciting part of the game. The opening, oh, well, we're concerned here about, if you're concerned about concussions, play less games. Don't play more. Oh, the mo- oh, I'm sorry. Blue, are you crazy? The owners need more money, man. The owners need more cash. They're going to put a Super Bowl in Germany again. They're going to put a Super Bowl over in uh, in London. Everyone loves going to London. Boy, what a great time that is. But think about it. The kick game is done. You don't return kicks anymore. You only return punts. I don't hear enough people complain about that. Am I the only one who's going to sit here and tell you that the kick is the best part of the game? And just everyone's standing up. Why do you stand up for a kick if it's going to be a touchback? Why do you stand up for a kick if the whole world knows it's going to go out of the end zone? Oh, but we've made a significant change. We're going to move it up five yards. I mean, it's, it's comical. It's laughable. But anyway, it's all we got. It's our league. It's the National Football League. Even though the quality of play is down, you love it and I love it. And it includes a mammoth game coming up Sunday night against the overall top seed. That is the Baltimore Ravens. All right, Dave Campo here in just five minutes, maybe a tad bit longer uh, till we get to Dave. Really looking forward to picking his brain on what he believes Jacksonville is going to be able to do here defensively against Baltimore. The Jaguars are really good against the run. They're fourth. They're really bad against the pass. They're 31st. On top of that now, you have Cisco out and Campbell out. Ooh. Ooh. Really not getting a pass rush outside of, obviously, Josh Allen. Um, I think this becomes one of these games for the Jaguars where every possession is important. And if they hang around, this is a hang-around game. If you can hang around 10 points, 7 points, fourth quarter, you got a chance. You can use last year's remedy. It even happened last week with L.A. L.A. put up 9 points in the fourth quarter against the Baltimore Ravens. So, you know, we've talked so much about starting fast, scoring early, have a lead at halftime. Jacksonville's been able to do that in more than half their games this year. This is one of those games where you just need to still be a part of it once you get to the fourth quarter. And maybe it can be one of those come-from-behind victories like you saw a year ago. That, that has to be right there, planted in the brain, 
of John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson, uh, this defense, which has the most sacks in the NFL. Baltimore has 49 sacks. Okay. They have to remember what happened here. You know, giving up 18 points in that fourth quarter. And, and that was really it. I mean, that was part of that, what, winning six out of the final seven against uh, their opponents last year, just completely flipping the script. None was more important than that 28-27 victory by the Jaguars over the Ravens. All right, opening comments are brought to you by Schmunez Vision. Want to wish everyone out there a very happy holiday from the good folks over at Schmunez Vision. That's an outstanding present. Why don't you set up a family member with an eye examination over at Schmunez, whether it's your grandparents, whether it's your, your kids. Uh, too many people neglect their eyes, and that's just awful. Now, they're your one stop. They do it all. They're a family organization out at the beach. Sure, you can go get an eye examination and look at your eyes, look at your, you know, a new uh, prescription for contacts or glasses, but it's so much more than that. Real serious issues like cataract. Um, maybe you have some vision problems, some dizziness. Maybe uh, there's an issue with your cornea. It was certainly one with mine going back eight and a half years ago. This is a high-quality medical and surgical practice as well. I swear by it. I just went in normal checkup eight and a half years ago, found something that needed to be out immediately in my right eye, had surgery. There's never been any setbacks. Healthy the rest of the way through. So I love the good folks over there at Schmunez Vision. I want you to experience the same type of care. Check them out online. Go to schmunezvision.com or give them a call at 299-2906. My God, who's on the other side of the glass? Oh, look who's back. R.J. Saunders in the house. How are you, young man? Good, Rick. I'm, I'm really happy that... Uh... I'm I'm behind the mic doing into the night again, man. We had a lot of great, great times, man. And to be able to add to this list, being back with you, I'm 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 really grateful for it for real. Now I can you know, I can understand there's fatigue. You just did the frangy show. This show is a cure for insomnia. If I start to see a yawn over there and doze off a little bit, I get it. I mean, this is kind of a boring show. As we, it is not. We head into the night. It's good to see you, big fella, man. You doing all right? Absolutely, man. And, and I'm, I'm always glad to see you in, in, in between the shows, man. I'll never fall asleep on this show. This was first show that I did. This is my first love. So, you know, anytime I'm able to do this show, I'm going to give you a hell yeah. All right. There is RJ Sauters. Of course, he was a longtime producer of Into the Night before he went off to Houston. He's back. He now produces the Frangie Show. Our good buddy J.J. LaSelva does have the day off. All right, much more from R.J. coming up. Let's bring in the coach. Let's talk some Jaguar defense with Dave Campo. He goes Into the Night. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, our friend Dave Campos, 30 seconds away. I just want to remind you, last year at half against Baltimore, Jacksonville was up 10-9. A Justin Tucker field goal in the third quarter made it 12-10. Baltimore over Jacksonville. And then we went to the fourth quarter and everything changed. The Jaguars put up 18 points. In that fourth quarter, Baltimore put up 15 points. Remember, they missed 
a last-second lengthy field goal by Tucker, but the final was 28-27. An incredible come-from-behind win for Jacksonville, and, and really, in my opinion, the, the game that really flipped the switch for that great run they made during their second half of the season. Dave Campbell, you hear all the time here on 1010XL, 92.5 FM. Plenty of coaching stops throughout his career, including here in Jacksonville and as well, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He joins Rick Ballou. Dave, always a pleasure. Hey, Rick. Uh, how you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Man, I am fantastic. Are you kidding me? This is uh this is great. Uh, I'm excited about Sunday night. I, I I don't like the news that came in today. I'm not surprised that Tyson Campbell is out. I was under the impression that maybe Andre Sisco would be able to play, but they're going to lose two huge parts of that defensive secondary. Yeah, that's too bad. Uh, that's the life of the NFL. You know, you you just you never know during the season, and and unfortunately. Uh, you have to have guys ready to take their place. And, you know, the one good thing about it is that all these guys that are backups are all professionals, are all getting paid, and hopefully they can come through when it, when it counts. Sitting next to you in the box, I remember this very fondly a year ago. We're up there, and all of a sudden, Jacksonville, for the first time, it was obvious they were going to run a different defense because this was the one club that they felt – you got to stop the run first. If you get beat with the pass, so be it. So during this game, they started with that three-safety look, which included the addition of Andrew Wingard. Yes, and and uh, I think as you look at this game right here, uh, it's changed a little bit because I think Lamar, with Monk and the new defensive, uh, excuse me, offensive coordinator, uh, they're throwing the ball a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, he's, he's getting better at it. So, you know, this is more of a, you know, yes, you have to stop the run. And, and the thing about the run is it's not all just conventional run, right. It's the quarterback running as well. So, you know, they're going to have to, you know, make sure that they have enough around the box to handle a run, but, uh, they've got to make sure the biggest thing is don't let the quarterback run. Yeah. If the quarterback doesn't run, I think they're in pretty good shape. Uh, Dave, not a lot of weaknesses uh, on this Baltimore team. I mean, they're number two in scoring defense or number four in scoring offense. And, and you just pointed out now how, you know, they're able to uh, do things in the air with Lamar Jackson under Todd Monk. And I love looking at numbers, but obviously they look at film. When, when you consider that Baltimore's number one rushing in the NFL – but you're taking on the fourth-ranked rushing defense in Jacksonville. How much does that change when, on the flip side, Jacksonville's 31st against the pass? I mean, those numbers are overwhelming in favor of Baltimore being able to do something in the air. Well, I think it, it, it really comes down to what happens in the ball game because I think, you know, sometimes you can give offensive uh, coaches too much credit you know, that, uh, that they, they look at the other team and say, well, gee, they don't defend this. We're going to do this. Mm-hmm. But uh, to be honest with you, uh, this game is still going to be handled by how well they run the football. Because when you look at their pass offense, uh, a lot of the passes that, are, that they end up with are big passes. And as long as we can keep them from hitting a big play, uh, you know, that forces them to do a little bit more with 
with the quarterback running at times and doing those kind of things. I really think when you go into this game, you still have to approach it with you're going to stop the run first and then work from there. Dave Campbell, our guest, uh, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, coming up on Sunday night. A couple of first-place teams in the AFC South. It's the Jags. How about the AFC North? The top overall team in the AFC is the Baltimore Ravens. They will be in town for this matchup. All right, so what do you believe, Dave? Uh, I mean, a year ago, Chad Muma was in. It wasn't Devin Lloyd. That won't be the case. Lloyd's played better during his second year. Uh, What do you believe... Mike Caldwell is going to try to do defensively against this well-oiled machine in Baltimore? Well, uh, first of all, I think they're going to have to play a little bit more man coverage and and spy uh, with one of those linebackers. And, you know, that's not our deal, but I don't think we're just going to be able to sit in in zone defense. Uh, But I think they're going to make sure that most of the time they're going to have some type of five-man pressure or somebody spying for that extra gap when you only go four. four, uh, Because the biggest thing with with Lamar is when he gets on the perimeter now, he still is looking to throw the football. The thing when he's really dangerous is when he steps up and runs inside. And I think they're going to make a concerted effort to make sure that those uh, rush lanes are, are clogged up whether they're bringing five or whether or not they're putting a spy in there for that extra gap when when you're rushing four. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, we haven't even gotten into Trey Herndon, the nickel, who obviously has been out with a concussion. He's officially listed as questionable. But, boy, if he can't go, you're down Herndon, Campbell, and Cisco. So you're talking about Darius Williams and Rayshon uh, Jenkins. And then outside of Andrew Wingard, my goodness, it's Buster Brown, it's Gregory Jr., it's Antonio Johnson. It's total youth movement here for the Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think Herndon's gonna go. Good. But if he but if he doesn't go, I think Antonio Johnson is gonna get the majority of the snaps at nickel because the guy has proven that he can make some plays and the bigger guy against the run game, uh, you know, is, is, is a plus. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think you're probably going to see a little bit more of him. I think he's a good blitzer. I think that will come into play during the ball game, but the biggest thing is going to be to contain Jackson and still make him throw the ball to win the football game. Yeah. I, my next question was going to be, well, I guess it is going to be my question. How can Jacksonville win if they can't run, well, they ran for 32 yards a year ago and won this game. Well, first of all, here, here's my feeling on that whole thing. I watched three games on, on this football team, and they're a little bit different defensively even than they were last year. They stopped the run on defense on the move. In other words, they rushed the passer and played the run off those movements. And when that happens, there's a lot of uh, gaps in their defense. And if you if you watch the, the game against the Rams the other night, the Rams ran the ball very effectively against them. Mm-hmm. And it's because they use some traps, they use some pulls, some things that our guys can do. Uh, they they create holes because they're at different levels a lot with their front. You look at their front, uh, Rick, and they've got. Uh, 
Clowney's got seven and a half sacks. Matabuki's got 11. Yep. Van Noy's got six. Always got four. So they're a, 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 a run pass rush games and stop the run on the move. And I really think we can run the football on them. Interesting to hear you say that. If you wouldn't mind, explain that a little bit more. I, I haven't heard this described this way. What do you mean defending the run on the move, uh, if you would? Well, most of the time, if a team's going to stop the run, they're going eight in a box or whatever, and guys are taking on the linemen and making sure that they're, they're gap sound. In other words, they're, if they're responsible for a gap between the guard and the, and the tackle, you know, they've got to play off the blocker to, to maintain that gap. Mm. Whereas if you're rushing the passer, there's a lot of penetration involved, a lot of aggressive rushes to where sometimes if one guy gets blocked and the other guy gets a little penetration, there's a hole in there. They're at different levels. Yeah. And that allows offensive linemen to get on guys uh, when they're pulling traps, things inside, because they create their own gaps by being so aggressive. And I think that's what this team really, that's why they get the majority of their sacks because I think they're very aggressive with their front all the time. They're playing pass first and run second. Hmm. Well, maybe we see some different things here with Press Taylor. And, you know, the offense has been good enough lately. Uh, the defense was good enough the entire year until the, the last couple of games. But obviously, you know, as a defensive-minded coach, uh, the flip side of that is Jacksonville can't turn the ball over four times like they did at Cleveland. Yeah, and, and that's definitely true. I mean, you know, obviously the turnover situation is going to be huge. Uh, and and our defense is still doing a good job with that. You know, if you look at this last ball game, they busted coverages, which is which is a shame because they had three big plays against them. Without those big plays, this might have been a different ball game because other than those three plays, you know, the one that uh, in Joku, the two really with in Joku was wide open. Yeah, on the two touchdowns, mm-hmm. plus the one to Dell or Bell, excuse me, on that. Uh, check down, but if those plays weren't there, our defense really played like they've played all year. They 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 bent a little bit, but they turned the ball over. Mm-hmm. So you know if we can continue to do that, and our offense can play a clean football game, which we haven't put together a football game yet with this group, which is scary because we do have good players. Yeah. Uh, if we play a clean game and the defense continues to play like they've been playing, but clean, I think this is going to be a heck of a football game. Dave, last question. Uh, preseason, Mike Caldwell was asked, what does this team need to improve on most? I was expecting pass rush, sacks. He said, uh-uh, missed tackles. It was awful a year ago. Much better this year, but the last two weeks, 13 missed tackles against Cincinnati, 12 missed tackles last week at Cleveland. How do you fix that against this Baltimore team? Boy, I'll tell you what, it's really, and you're absolutely right. I mean, we did not tackle well, uh, you know, in these last few ball games. And, you know, first of all, you can, you only can be in pads, I think, 12 times out of 17 games. So you're not going to get any tackling drills. You're just going to have to focus on it and make sure guys are getting themselves into tackling position. 
That's the biggest thing. Guys have a tendency sometimes think they're going to knock the guy's butt off and they don't get themselves in good tackling positions to be able to handle, you know, movement by guys. And yeah. and the only way you can work on that is, you know, we used to back in the day when we didn't have pads on, uh, we stressed still doing everything that you would in a tackle in practice other than just finishing it. So it's footwork. It's getting yourself into position. Don't overrun things. Make sure you're inside out. Make sure guys are, you know, we used to say if there was a, a, a throw, we'd have one guy coming from one side, a guy coming from the other side. We'd be saying inside, inside, outside, outside. Yeah. Meaning we've got gap control on that tackle. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just a focus and a continued emphasis on those things. Uh, And I think we need a refocus with this football team. Dave, thank you very much. I'll see you out there on Sunday night. Absolutely. Have a great day, and and thanks for having me on. Dave Campo, ladies and gentlemen. Always love our conversations with Dave. Man knows so much about football, especially on the defensive side. Coming up next, let's go to Las Vegas. Let's check the money. It's time for the Philly Rooster. He goes into the Knights. With Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, again, I appreciate Dave Campo joining us. I uh, enjoy sitting next to him during Jaguar home games. The man knows so much about defense. By the way, Jacksonville 0-3 this year against top 10 defenses. All right. Uh, which is interesting because they're 5-2 and two against teams with winning records when they actually faced them. Therefore, one of these top 10 defenses must not have been above 500 when they met them. I bet if I do a little bit of digging, I can go back and figure out who that was. Right now, he is the Philly Rooster. We love talking with him. Of course, he broadcasts live from uh, Las Vegas uh, with his show on Thursday night, and he joins us here on a Friday as he goes into the night. Philly Rooster, always a pleasure. Yeah, you as well, Rick. How's things? Uh, the Jags, they got to get their act together this week. But, yeah, looking forward to another exciting NFL week. It's unbelievable. It's almost over. It's uh, it's nuts. And, you know, you and I were talking about uh, San Francisco visiting here uh, about two months ago against the Jaguars. San Francisco had lost three in a row. Now, all of a sudden, they've turned around. They've won five in a row. I think Jacksonville's going to lose their third straight on Sunday night, but I think they uh, they win their final three. So it, this has really been an unusual year. Once you think a team may be dominant, they seem to let one get behind them or, or maybe even two or three they let get away. Yeah, I mean, it's happening all over the league. I mean, if you even look at Dallas, who now is the new media darling, who everybody thinks is the second-best team in the NFL, they lost to Arizona. They lost to the Eagles in a close one. Uh, then they got their act together. And, you know, I always I always talk about overreaction Monday. I think it's the funniest thing during the NFL season. And then when you look up at the end of the year, pretty much everybody you thought was going to be hanging around is still hanging around. And the cream always rises at the end. Yeah, it typically does. Let's get to that game. Dallas at Buffalo. We know just how great Dallas is. Uh, in Jerry's world, I think it's what eight or nine straight games, thirty or more points on the road. Though they're 
They're pedestrian. I mean, they're three and three, and now they got to go and play Buffalo, where I, I I haven't looked at the weather, but I got to believe it's going to be brutally cold. Yeah, it's going to be very cold. The wind doesn't look like it's going to be that bad. That this uh, line opened one and a half forty nine, stayed one and a half. It actually went up as high as two and a half uh, and fifty. It's interesting because ninety percent of the bets and seventy percent of the money is on Buffalo. Wow. So although Dallas is a big public betting team, um, everybody thinks Buffalo is going to win this game because of the home field advantage. Uh, I see it a little bit different, and I'm going to fade the public on this one. I think Dallas gets their first signature win against a suspect Buffalo defense. I think they're going to go in there ready to play, and their big challenge is going to be the following week against Miami. So you're going to take the points here, Buffalo plus two. Uh, excuse me, Dallas plus yeah. two. I'm going to take Dallas plus two. Now, I'm going to wait because, like I said, all the money's pouring in on Buffalo. If this gets to two and a half, I'm going to buy to the three count. Um, it, I think it's going to be a close game. But uh, Dallas, on the road, it's time now for them to be real. they got to have a signature road win. Looking forward to watching this one. I went the other way. We'll see. I, I think Buff at home is going to be tough, but who knows? That's why they play the games. Divisional matchup. The storyline here is rookie quarterbacks. My goodness, Tennessee. Short week, but what an unbelievable come-from-behind win against Miami on Monday. And Houston's C.J. Stroud looks like he's not going to be able to play. Yeah, he's out. Davis Mills gets the start. I'll tell you, it has been an absolute disastrous year for quarterbacks. And it's not even contact plays. This is hands and feet and ankles and you know it's not like they're getting dinged by concussions left and right so I don't know what the league can do about it but it's been an absolute disaster this game is another uh, uh, portion of that and Houston opened three and a half in this game total 43 when the news came out this line flew Tennessee is now a three and a half point favorite the total is 36 and a half um, now that it's swung back over the three count, I'm going to take Houston here. Give me the three and a half points. I know, obviously, Davis Mills is going to struggle, but I think they're going to change the offense in such a way that they can keep this game close. Yeah, that's petrifying when a line changes that much. Uh, you know, real quick, um, first off, give us all your information how our listeners out there can get a hold of you. At Philly Rooster on Twitter. And the betting show every Thursday night, as you mentioned earlier, we're on uh, live streaming on YouTube Thursday nights. Then it's on Sirius Channel 152, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You know, Philly Rooster, uh, j- just a quick question in general. Um, I noticed that, like, this Miami Rutgers game, at one point it was Miami favored by nine. Now it's basically a, a pick em because of the Miami players who have entered the portal including Tyler Van Dyke, who's gone, others leaving for the NFL. When you see such a huge line like this, and I understand the college game is totally different than the pro game, do you have a general uh, – do you have any advice in general, or do you look at every game as a totally separate entity? You, you have to look separately. Now, <clears throat> as a general rule, starting quarterback, franchise guy is worth seven points. Um, now, when you get a superstar like Pat Mahomes, it, that could be worth as much as ten but it also depends on the team. So if you have a real talented team, kind of like San Francisco and Purdy gets hurt, I'll bet you that nine would move three points. Hmm. So it's a, it's a person by person game by game scenario. 
but I am, a, I don't want to call myself a master and brag too much, but usually I know when to fire just when it's going to start coming back the other way because the market always overreacts. Okay, and that's what I think's happening in this Houston, te- yeah. uh, in this Houston, Tennessee. Game. Yeah, I, yes, um, very intriguing stuff, no question about it. All right, right here in Jacksonville on Sunday night, here come the Baltimore Ravens. They are a road favorite here in Duval. Yeah, I, and I love home dogs in the NFL. This is a public side. The Ravens are sixty-five percent of the bets, and sixty-eight percent of the money is on Baltimore right now. Now that's early. Game day is about 80% of the bets in the NFL. But I don't know. I'm against you here, too, Rick. I, I like Jacksonville at home to right the ship here. And I think Baltimore is a little bit vulnerable. They just have to put that spy on Lamar Jackson. And uh, I think they can come out victorious here. I like them to win this game. Mm, very interesting. Love the play there. Uh, the Philly Rooster saying take Jacksonville plus the points. Right now I got it at three and a half here as they get ready to take on Baltimore. Let's wrap it up Monday night, the long trip, Philadelphia, all the way out to Seattle. Um, Boy, Seattle absolutely needs this game if they want to stay in things. Philadelphia right now, 5-2 and on the road. That's a number that really sticks out for me. Yeah, and they're performing really well against the spread. They're 64% for this year against the spread. So the Eagles have outperformed the market on pretty much every metric from against the spread to uh, total wins for the season. I mean, they are outperforming the market, but as you know, they're on a slide. And the reason they're on a slide is this brutal schedule. And here we go again. They fly back from Dallas to Philly and then right back on a plane all the way back out to Seattle. This is a really bad spot for the Eagles, another bad spot. And I think they're going to drop their third in a row here. I, you know, uh, this game opened four and a half, 48. It's sitting three, 47 and a half. The public loves the Eagles. 73% of the bets, 85% of the money. My biggest bet of the week, Seattle plus three and a half. Biggest of the week, Seattle plus three and a hook. So loving the home dogs here this week, no question about it, both in Jacksonville as well as uh, with Seattle plays there by the Philly Rooster. Okay, Philly Rooster, once again, so our listeners can get a hold of you, please give them your info. At Philly Rooster on Twitter uh, and the phillygodfather.com for my premium moves. And here's a freebie for your audience. Take the Zags tonight, plus three and a half. I love them. Take the Zags tonight. There you go, plus three and a half. Always a pleasure. Best of luck with your plays, Philly Rooster. Take care, Rick. Thanks. There he goes. Good stuff there. The Zags plus three. All right. I mean, a freebie. Who else out there gives you freebies? Besides the truth teller and the Philly Rooster. That's 10 o'clock tonight on ESPN2 or ESPN+. Plus. Number five, Connecticut at number 10, Gonzaga. Is this, uh, this is actually in Seattle. It's the Continental Tire Seattle tip-off. At the Climate Pledge Arena. You can't make this stuff up. UConn's favored by three and a hook. And Philly Rooster tells me all the time that, you know, I, I'll i bring him on here and there for March Madness, but obviously we have him on weekly during the football season. His expertise is college basketball, which I would think is one of the hardest sports to bet on. 
Because it's pretty difficult to get that information, right? Especially when you get to smaller schools. And you really have to... I mean, everyone has information on the NFL. Everyone has information on college. That stuff's there. You know, I mean, at least you're you're fed the material, if you understand what I'm trying to get at. Uh, in college basketball, it, it's a little bit hard. Now, it's not hard for UConn or Gonzaga, but I'm talking about some of these smaller schools. You know, when it all came into existence, when I was working in Chicago, um, used to work with a guy by the name of Peter Brown, re- really, really interesting dude. I, I was a big fan of Peter. His name was the Coach Killer. And he was a guy who wagered all the time and would talk about it during his show at both one-on-one sports and sporting news radio. But he always said the easiest sport to bet on was the WNBA. And the reason was there wasn't a lot of information. And if you studied the game the way that professionals study all of these other sports, you could grab an edge. And... You know, he did well with that. Now, this is going back 20-some-odd years ago, right? Uh, I'm sure – I don't know. I never bet, I never once placed a bet on the WNBA, even when I was a, a, a betting man. Of course, I haven't been over the last 10-plus years. But I like to know a little something before I actually do wager on it. All right, let's get ready for our second hour. I got something here I got to share with you that I don't think you can understand. Uh, I don't think you're going to like, and frankly, I don't understand is what I wanted to say. I hate to bring it up, but I also feel like you need to know. You deserve to know. Once again, taking shots at us, which I uh, do not appreciate. More on the playoff picture overall. A little bit on Florida State. They got a response today after Rick Scott demanded answers. Uh, Nothing happened. They just reinforced the college football committee's talking points. That's all it was. No transparency, no clarification. Um, frankly, I think it's time to move on, right? You can't unring the bell. You know? I mean, what are you going to get out of this? Uh, I'm as bothered as you are, but today's the 15th day of December. They're going to play that game in 15 days, and, and Florida State's going to play Georgia. You don't think the committee all of a sudden is going to respond to Rick Scott or respond to the attorney who is doing her best to defend Florida. You don't think that it's going to look at it and say, you know what, you're right. Bama, you're out. Or Texas, you're out. Florida State, you're in. No. I mean, what what do you want? What are you hoping to accomplish? That's what I want to know. Unless you have the ability to sue. And bring in millions and millions and millions of dollars to Florida State. Outside of that, what are you going to gain? Even if you find that there was, uh, you know, someone above who told Herb Street and told Feinbaum and told Joe Tessitore to, to lean that way, lean towards the SEC, bury Florida State, even if you can prove that. It's not going to change the game. So I think the only thing that you would be able to do is benefit financially. Maybe the other side would be you can take the response and you can throw it in the face of the Atlantic Coast Conference and the grant of rights 
television agreement through 2036 and say, look, we cannot be competitive in the Atlantic Coast Conference. We won every game, and we weren't able to compete for a championship. This breaks the contract. This, bl- this breaks the clause through 2036. And maybe Florida State can get out earlier, maybe as early as next year, maybe as early as 2025. They still need to find a place to go, right? I mean, what are they going to do, become an independent? I mean, Florida State still needs to find a conference. But that's why I get confused with all of this. What is the end result? What What is best case scenario? And again, I'll throw that out to you as well if you want to respond to that. 641-1010 on our text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. All right, let's get ready for our second hour. We got much more to do. We roll tonight till late. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. It's got a little Phillips Highway stroll to it. This is the Philip Highway stroll. Ah, we just never hear it with words. Yeah. Who is this again? Is this Bad Company? Let me get. No, it's Aerosmith. Is this out, Outcast? Outcast. There we go. Right. Yeah. RJ Saunders producing into the night. On a Friday, what a great weekend, right? Final weekend to get out there and do some shopping for family and friends. I guess you got next weekend, technically. Uh, although I think you're screwed if you don't have everything set by next weekend. Uh, I'm at the point of my life now where I just try to avoid stress. And holiday shopping can be just brutal, I, w- I would imagine. I don't know. You know, I just, I go online and I point and I click. And it's fun. Things get delivered daily. Uh, but a lot of you will wait, right? You'll go shop in the mall, all that stuff. Although every, every time I drive by the mall, there's like no one there. How the hell's the malls, how are they still up? Do we know? That's crazy because, yeah, I don't think anybody goes to the mall anymore. It's Amazon. It's online shopping. No longer the mall. Tell you what's happening is all those trucks, they're all over the place. In my hood, man, every 15 seconds, someone's barreling by, dropping off gifts all over the place. Nobody's stealing the gifts, are they? Stealing? I, I Yeah, I mean, well, most. Taking the packages? I think most have, you know, most homes have surveillance now, right? I mean, yeah, the most, ring camera? Yeah. Most do. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's pretty awful uh, if you're doing that. Hey, let me give you a tip. Blue Crab Crab House. Cost you 50 bucks. Get a $65 gift card. Uh, they're rolling right now. It's a little bit past 7 o'clock. What an outstanding present that would be. Uh, when you hand it over, it's going to say 65 bucks. Uh, that is what is on the card. But it's only going to cost you 50 So what a present that is. And it's quick and it's easy. And you, you're going to have a great time. Uh, that much, I promise, right off of San Jose there on Julington Creek Road. All right, I, I want to get this out 
Uh, and I don't know why. I guess I could ignore it. But there's a part of me that that is part of this. And I, 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 I do it because I think one day there's going to be an end result. I think one day there's going to be a party. The Jaguars are finally going to be Super Bowl champions. And, and everyone else around the country can do whatever it is that they want to do. But the latest is this, and I got it sent to me. It's Bet Online, and they were in partnership with uh, ChatGBT uh, to rank the NFL fan bases, right, in order of toughness. The ranking is based on a mix of historical team characteristics, fan loyalty, and the general aura associated with the team's city or region. No surprise, Pittsburgh, far and away number one. I mean, that's the way it's going to be. All right, we're talking about old teams. Pittsburgh, then the Green Bay Packers, then the Chicago Bears. Those are the top three. We're not talking about teams who win Super Bowls. We're not talking about teams that are deep into the playoffs every year. Again, Pittsburgh's gone to a bunch of playoffs. They haven't won a playoff game in, what, eight years? Or they have one playoff win in eight years? You know, the Packers won a, since Bart Starr and Max McGee won Super Bowls one and two, what, they won one with Lord Favre. That was the first Super Bowl I ever attended. That was in New Orleans, uh, Green Bay over uh over New New England, and that was two former Jaguars who made the difference in that game. Right after New England went ahead, Desmond Howard took back a kick 100 yards, and late in the game, Bad Moon Rising, Andre Rising, caught a touchdown pass from Lord Favre. So Green Bay won with him, and then they won with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, right next to Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, maybe the best quarterback of the last 20 years. He only won it once. It's amazing. Roethlisberger won a couple. Eli won a couple. Mahomes has already won a couple. Rodgers only won one. Bears. I lived there for seven years. Rex Grossman took him to a Super Bowl. Chicago hasn't done anything since 1985. And that in themselves, that is maybe the one of the biggest disappointments in the history of football modern day era. How did the Chicago Bears with that defense only win one Super Bowl? Eagles four, a little bit of viciousness there, okay? Raiders five, I noticed they on Facebook, you know, they pop up memories. You're on Facebook, you're too cool for Facebook. You're, you're too young for Facebook. Too what are young. you on? I, I had one, had one. What are you on? Not really on any, like, social media. I do Twitter, like, to get, like, news and, like, sports no. news and things like that. You don't that. respond to Twitter. I put. I hit you up a day. You're... I'm working you're, on it. I'm working on. You're it. absent on Twitter. So come out and say it. You don't do social media. Not not as not a lot. No. Good for you. I use it basically just for sports. Every once in a while, maybe I'll post a picture of like a deer or a snake that I see while I'm out playing golf. But that's basically it. I mean, I still see those pictures, right? <laughs> and I'm just like, why in the world does he stop in the middle of playing golf hey, and take a picture of a snake? Listen, most golfers are getting all PO'd about missing a putt or driving one into the woods. Instead, I become like um, Jacques Cousteau. 
Well, that's that's outdating it. You people don't even know who Jacques Cousteau is. Was it Steve Irwin? Steve Irwin. Yeah. Look up Jacques Cousteau, kids. Look it up. Those are your top five toughest fan bases. The least toughest fan base in the NFL. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Number 32. Or the other way around, number one as the least toughest fan base in pro football. Now, let me, cl- let me clarify. This is betonline.com, which hits the entire United States of America. They worked in uh, partnership with Chat GPT to come up with this. I don't know how reputable these companies are, but it's not like someone out in, you know, the middle of Los Angeles all of a sudden created this. This is supposed to be from what I from what I read as far as the criteria would involve all 32 teams. The entire United States of America, everyone could get involved with their particular say toughest to uh, I guess weakest uh, is is the word that they are using. But once again, it just absolutely baffles me how when anything national comes up, Jacksonville automatically gets crapped on. I mean, I would have expected this in the mid to late 90s, not in 2023, and we're a few days away from 2024. It makes no sense to me. You could say what you want about the team and the lack of history for this team. They've been to three AFC championship games. You know, they're a losing franchise. Uh, what are they? I want to say they're lifetime, like what, 75, 80 games? Uh, under 500, okay? They're, they're second only to Tampa Bay as far as the win percentage. Lifetime, the second lowest win percentage. Lifetime, uh, just a smidge ahead of Houston for the number three spot. Jacksonville's in at number two. Uh, you know, and I, you know, it's a one horse town. The city does a great job repping the town. Maybe that's, maybe that's a little bit of a factor. I, I don't see enough of that. Bars I visit, restaurants I visit. Where I'm from in Boston, it doesn't matter where you go. Now, there's more to choose from. You got the Sox, you got the Celtics, you got the Bruins, and you got the Patriots. And outside the Patriots, the other three all won a lot of titles. Of course, New England turned that around beginning in in 2001 when they won six. But you got a lot to choose from there. Chicago as well, the seven years I spent there. You can't go too far without seeing the Bears or the Cubs. Uh, And those two head and shoulders over anything else, including the Blackhawks and, you know, the White Sox and uh, even the Chicago Bulls. But, you know, I'm just, I'm thinking about where I'm at. Okay, I live in Bartram. So, you know, it's a it's a bedroom community, right? I think they shut the bars down at like 11 o'clock, and they're all chains. You know, you don't have any hole in the walls. The hole in the, uh, you know, I, 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 we need moms and pops, right? The mamas and the papas. We, that's one thing that Jack's 
lacks a little bit with. And that's why I love the Blue Crab Crab House. That is a pure staple, right? Um, Jacksonville is so phenomenal for so many things, including golf courses. They are desperately lacking for Irish bars and for mom-and-pop places. But mom-and-pop places love that. They love to relish in their team's success. So I'll ask you. Okay, because I think this is a little bit of a factor here. The bars that you visit, whether you're at the beach, whether you're here at Tinseltown, whether, oh my God, what's that one place called down? Um, what's it called off a gate in anything that, that were, were all of those? Uh, the town center. I get within two miles of the town center. I'll break out in hives. Okay, I don't want anything to do with that part of town. That's just people driving, looking at their phones, no parking spots. What? But I'm just asking, okay? Is it lacking? You got a nice sign as you drove over the as you drive over the Main Street Bridge. It says "Go Jacks." Um. All right, you got some hole in the walls around there, like like tailgaters that do it. But is there enough? Is there enough identity? Is there enough public support where you're like to your beer distributors? My great folks at Miller Lite, there's nothing that fires me up more than a nice Miller Lite Jaguar sign. But our, our company owners, like, I need that. I, give me more. Give me Jaguars. Or outside of the last two years, you're kind of like, well, you know, we've had nine losing seasons out of the last 10. Uh, I'll stick something that. That's the Gators up. I'll stick some Florida State stuff up. Oh, you great. You got some. I'm just asking here. And for those of you who go to other cities, you understand what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm not ripping the city that I love. I'm just stating it could be better. And it's probably like everything else. If you win, more of this will happen. Right, people don't like to celebrate a losing franchise. And outside of these last two years, again, you had one winning year in a decade. So I'm just trying to think of ways to make it seem a little bit more uh, electrified. And and this whole thing with the restaurants kills me. When I was in Chicago and, and the Super Bowl was here, I did not come to this Super Bowl. It was one that I missed. And I remember being pretty pissed about it. But uh, Paul Attner was a columnist who worked with us um, with the Sporting News. I remember he gave me a call before. <laughs> he gave me a call. I mean, I left right after the 2000 AFC Championship game when the Jaguars lost to, uh, to Tennessee. And Attner calls, and he's like, yeah, Blue, give me some good restaurants in Jacksonville. So this would have been, I don't know what year the Super Bowl was here. What was it, 03, 04, something like that. I'm like, yeah, Paul, there's a great Chili's right there at Bay Meadows. <laughs> I'm like, you're asking me for restaurants? I'm like, are you, are you kidding? He's like, no, I need some, like, pristine steakhouse or some of these great uh... – I'm like, yeah, okay. You know how much money I was making at the ball for crying out loud? Why do you think I got fired? I, got, I had nothing to lose. I took way too many risks. Uh, But it was like the hardest question I ever had to answer in my life. Give me some good restaurants in Jacksonville. 
sending these guys over to it. Yeah, it's a great Chili's. And then back there on, on Bay Meadows as well, my buddy owns it. There's a BW3 there. It's awesome. <laughs> okay. And it's really cool, too, because it's like a cafeteria. You go up there, you order your wings. They don't even have waitresses. You just go there and pick it up yourself, and you can find your own table. It's really kind of cool. Uh, the guy was looking at me like I was, you know what. Um, uh, but, you know, that was then. Now I've discovered the Blue Crab Crab House, and uh, I'm happy enough. So that's that. Um, Jaguars, Chargers, Bengals, Rams, Cardinals. This is a crying shame. You're from L.A. They don't support the Chargers. They don't support the Rams. No. Okay. The Bengals, I think, I think they get a raw deal. I really like Cincinnati. Cincinnati was one of my favorite road trips to take as far as a cold weather city. I would much rather go to Cincinnati than I would Buffalo, than I would Cleveland, than I would well, Nashville's a good town, so take that back. Then I, certainly Indianapolis, certainly Minneapolis, certainly um, uh, give me some other cold, cold weather towns. Uh, Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay's a freaking prison. Green Bay's a freaking prison sentence. Can you imagine getting drafted by the Green Bay Packers? You got a chance to come here. You got a chance to go to Tampa. You got a chance to go to Miami or a big city. You know, go to Boston, New York, Chicago, San Francisco. You get drafted by the Green Bay Packers. You could have the hottest chick alive, and she'd be like, nah, that's okay. I'm going to go date the plumber because he still lives here and wherever as opposed to going with you to Green Bay. So, I, I didn't want, I felt I could do it on a Friday night. I could give you this information because I, I, I figured you'd do what great fans do, and that's just go have some cocktails and, and find a way to get over it. But when's this going to change? When's it going to change? It doesn't matter what the situation is. When push comes to shove, Jacksonville gets picked on. And if you're going to play the role of ignore it, no, screw that. I'm not going to ignore anything. But when is it going to finally come about that the fans who support this team are incredible? The stadium's too big. It costs a lot of money. Getting in and getting out is a disaster. There have been morons who have built everything around uh, the bank. I don't even know what the name of the bank is this week over there. But, it t- I mean, that Monday night game, it took two hours to get out after. And I'm not complaining. I went over to the tailgaters and drank 10 Miller Lights and, and took an Uber home. Cost me 100 bucks. It was worth it. I'll do the same thing Sunday night. You want to find me after the game? That's where I'll be. So, it's a problem. How do you fix the problem? I mean, this, this information, I feel like those who, no, we don't need money for a new stadium. No, the taxpayers shouldn't pay. You just feed them stuff like this, and it gives them more. It gives them more and more. Well, this is why we shouldn't have it. Are you kidding me? 
You know how lucky you are to have an NFL team right here in this city? And if you're listening to this show, chances are you support them. Chances are you're a fan. It's the other. You know what? Out there that are doing other things. They're more the problem. Oh, everyone's moving into Jacksonville. It's the largest city in the United States. It takes freaking forever to go from point A to point B. Okay, but these people who are moving in, they're not Jaguar fans. They're fans of another team. And the only way for them to enjoy the experience is A, win, and B, make it a great time. Make it a great experience from the moment they get there until the moment they leave. And when it takes you two hours to get out after a game, that's not a great sign. It's a disaster. I've been to every NFL stadium. I know what it's like before games. I know what it's like after games. You got to do better. And I'm not talking about the last couple of years or right now. I'm going back decades. Morons. Morons designed this city. I mean, you got nothing downtown. Oh, we're going to build it. I mean, what do you have? I was there yesterday, and I'm like, well, I mean, you got, the, you got the river. It's leading right into the ocean, and you got a freaking jail. Where, I mean, you could have such incredible things, hotels, restaurants. What You got a jail. Who came up with putting a jail on the river? It's going to be our own little Alcatraz. People are going to come from everywhere. Mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy, show me the jail in Jacksonville. Are you, I mean, who allowed that? So I want it to be better for you people. I want the experience to be better. Bad leadership. For years and years and years, and this fight's going to be ugly. Every time I look at my text line right now, brought to you by Lifetime Equality, every time I mention this, even strong Jaguar fans can't wait to tell me Shad Khan needs to pay for it. We don't need to pay for it. This fight's going to be brutal. It's going to be absolutely nuts. But the weakest fan base in the NFL, wow. Bet online. Chat GPT, number 32, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Brandon Staley fired today after that last night. Bill Belichick, the leader in the clubhouse, according to betonline.com. You can't fire a coach this close uh, to the holidays, right? You can't do that. I would have fired him. I wouldn't have allowed him on the plane in January after blowing a 27-0 lead. Seriously. I mean, why did they bring him back? The team was brought... You can't do that. You can't lose that way. 27 nothing, and expect your team uh, to respect you. But 
I don't know. Getting fired is tough. I mean, I was on the team playing when the Jaguars fired Gus Bradley in Houston. That was one of the most unusual moments I'd ever experienced. Gus walked up and down the entire charter, thanked everyone, including myself. Big fan of Gus Bradley, but I that was a classless move. You know, let the plane land. Let him go home. Let him show up the next morning. Fire him then. Or let him go home, come back the next morning, fire him. You fire him in the locker room in Houston. It's the right, you know, it's about doing it the right way or the wrong way. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just nuts. Um, so, in order to be a tough fan base, I mean, what is the criteria here, RJ? Do they want more people beating up one another in the parking lot? I mean, seriously. Are we Philly? Toughest fan base. Yeah, you're not going to compete with Pittsburgh and Green Bay and Chicago and Philly. The Raiders. I, I, oh, it popped up on my Facebook tag. I was going to tell you that earlier. Today was the last game ever at the Black Hole. I remember that. I was doing the show. What, uh, Minshew led the, led the winning right. drive. But everyone in Oakland was smoking doobie after doobie after doobie. And it, I thought that heat was supposed to rise. Smoke was supposed to rise. I was totally stoned on the sideline. Contact high? Second smoke high. I was totally stoned. Frangie's like, let's set it down. Bluey's got a report for you. I'm like, time, time again. I, I, and I was singing Floyd. I was totally out of it. Had no idea. That's probably why I'm no longer the sideline report. Got stoned in Oakland. They're all barking, no bite. All those Raider fans, they paint faces, put on helmets with spikes, and then they're reporting to court at 8 a.m. on Monday morning as a defense attorney. Never bought that. Cleveland 6. Baltimore. That's a new franchise. That's a newer franchise than Jacksonville. What's so tough about Baltimore? Baltimore's a baseball town. Kansas, Buffalo, eight, Bills Mafia. I got it. I know we can be tough. Let's start impressing the ladies by diving through tables. Fiery tables sometimes. That'll do it. KC at nine. They stole the war chant from Florida State. How can you say that's a tough fan base? They couldn't even invent their own. They had to steal it. Patriots at 10. I grew up there. The Patriots are far and away number four. I used to go with my dad back to Schaefer Stadium and Sullivan Stadium where he'd take all those Schaefer beers and put them in my down jacket and walk me in. And, and my buddies would be, we'd have six beers in each sleeve. And there'd be 30,000 fans there watching O.J. Simpson and the Bills. And Lydell Mitchell and the Colts. and the No one supported the Patriots until they started winning Super Bowls. They were always the fourth team. Anyone tells you differently, they're a liar. Cowboys 11. Well, I'll tell you the problem there. It's wine and cheese. I think I did three, four games in Dallas. I was a sideline reporter. One night I was getting ready to walk out with the team. They actually have people who drive in 
to Jerry's world, you have a valet service, and they go to those boxes underneath. Fancy. Okay. How's that a tough fan base? <laughs> you actually drive into the stadium at Jerry's World. Give them to get the guy your keys. Guys are coming out in three-piece suits, top hats, 60-year-old men with 20-year-old women. That's oh, no. a that's a tough fan base? Oh, that screams tough. Denver at 12. Uh, all right, sorry, New York Giants at 12. Yeah, whatever. Denver at 13. All right, that should be higher. They're telling us the 12th man of Seattle is 14? Got a major problem with that. They should be higher. San Francisco at 15. As our buddy Pete Banizak once said, a bunch of wine sippers across the bay was Oakland. Of course, Pete Banizak, the original on the postgame on the Jaguars radio network. Love Pete. Big fan. Uh, Minnesota is 16. Okay, yeah, back in the day when they played outdoors, right? They're indoors now. 70 degrees, no wind. Detroit. Everyone picks on Detroit. That's hockey town. They're hockey first. They're baseball second. Even with the bad boys. I don't know where I put the Lions. Three or four? In Michigan, more of a college town? Oh, you had the Fab Five. Michigan State. Saints at 18. Great party. But I don't know. Bucks at 19. I mean, before the Jaguars were in existence, I used to go to the, when they were in the same division as Green Bay, I used to go to the Sombrero every year for Tampa Bay Green Bay. And I want to tell you something. There were 30, 35,000 Green Bay Packer fans in attendance. Matter of fact, I think I rooted for Green Bay. I don't know who I rooted for. Miami at 20, that's a joke. Anything that has Miami on it is a joke. Miami does not have a better fan base than Jacksonville. Not even close. The D.C. Commanders, whatever. The Jets, no. They got the Colts and the Titans at 23 and 24, respectively. Uh, The Colts, Bill Polian piped in fake noise. Yet they're getting more respect for more noise. And with the Brickyard, you know, it's a, it, it, it's a race town. It's a basketball town. Probably the best town for a Final Four. I've been to a couple of them. Including when the Gators were there. What was it, in March of uh, 01 or 02? I don't remember. I don't remember any of this. Falcons 25. Right. <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons. They've been around for 100 years. They haven't won squat. The Panth. now this is a crime. How do you put the Carolina Panthers ahead of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Both came in at the same time. They're getting all this love. I would Having Jacksonville at 26 would have been fine for now. Texans at 27. And then the bottom five, Arizona, the Rams, Cincinnati, the Chargers, and the Jaguars at number 32. Uh, I'm trying to fix this. I'm open for suggestions. How do you change it? It's a great fan base. I'm not saying that because I want you to be warm and fuzzy with me. I've always said it. It's a great fan base. Stadium is too big. 
Do we have to take another break? I don't want to take a break. Let's just keep going. Forget about the breaks. I got a lot that I feel like I need to get off my chest tonight. Just erase this whole break. What's that now? Just erase this whole break. (laughs) All right, we got more to do. Hacker will join you as well at 8. Now, today's takeaways. Brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. I love, I love, I love, I love my GMC Sierra from Key. Just love it. What a Christmas present that would be, huh? You big rugged men out there. Come on, ladies, if you're listening, they've earned it. Take them the key. 20 on the lot, 23, 24. And how about you ladies? My GF just adores her key Buick Enclave. Yes, there as well. Great folks. Key right across the street. From Tinseltown, Southside and Kate. I want to tell you right now, here's my takeaway. It's this poll that we just did. It boils my blood. I'm going to do everything in my part to get this fixed. All of this fixed. And more respect for you as a fan base. Just more respect overall for this city. I, I want to see the change. And I want to see it for the better. In the meantime, here's a recommendation. Take your kids. Take them out. Show them the Christmas lights. And show them how proud we are of downtown. Take them down Bay Street. Damn it. Show them the jail. All right? Because that's what our city leaders did. Founding fathers. Creators. Explorers. Mommy, mommy. Daddy, daddy. Let's see the jail. Well, of course we'll take it to the jail. Well, the premier real estate in all of Jacksonville, Florida. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping the sports world spinning with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Ever spent a night in jail? Well, if you time it out right, you can hear the fellas playing basketball in there. I've done a couple of walks down there for uh, some charity events and... uh, some of the guys can be pretty boisterous up there playing ball. So uh, they play for packs of smokes. Right? <laughs> I would. I. I. Luckily, I don't know. Uh, but I would imagine, based on the movies I've seen, that's probably accurate. Yeah, I don't know if you saw this. If you got it as well, the Bet Online um, survey with the Jaguars have the weakest fan base. Oh no, I did not see that. Thirty-two out of thirty-two. That's ridiculous. It, that, it that's is. people that don't know what they're talking about. I, it, it, you and I echo these same sentiments, but I get so pissed by it, Hacker. What? What? Why is Jacksonville always crapped on? Well, it, it's I say this every time. You do a ton of out-of-market interviews. I go on a bunch. And, you know, whether it's Kansas City, Green Bay, New York, Chicago, I don't care where it is, have the worst team in the league 13 out of 15 years. No. And let's see Soldier Field or Arrowhead. What was Arrowhead like? those dry years between Mahomes and what they were in the early 2000s. I remember what Arrowhead was like. There were plenty of seats in the upper deck. Look, it's easy to support a team when you're beating the crap out of people every Sunday. The Jaguars have had a core 50,000 that have literally been there every week when they've been the worst team in football for 13 of the past 15 years. It does get me angry as well. That's just people that have no idea what they are talking about. I grew up in Boston, and the Patriots were never represented until 
a little bit during the Parcells tenure, a little bit during the Raymond Berry tenure, but it was not until they started winning Super Bowls. Look at the Houston Texans this year. C.J. Stroud, D'Amico Ryans, a lot of excitement, huge city. Look at their upper deck. Yeah. Well, look at the Houston Oilers. They lost the Houston exactly. Oilers. Exactly, yeah. They I mean, had Earl Campbell. They had, bum, they had Bum Phillips. It's every fan base. Miami's the same way. Now, Miami showed out on Monday night. Those people may never come back after they lost to Tennessee. So, it is infuriating. And, again, it's people that don't know what they're talking about. You cannot put Atlanta and Miami ahead of Jacksonville. No, no. You can't, you can't put either one of those two L.A. teams ahead of Jacksonville. Yeah, I'll send you the list if you want to take a look at it. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, and it just boils my blood. And and um, I don't know. I I don't even know what else to say. Um, it it is a there's a solid nucleus of fans, and and the more you win, the more others uh, will begin to come. Anyway, big news today: Cisco's out and Campbell is out. That is. That is not good news for Jackson. No, it's not. But if I'm looking for any silver lining, look, I'd much rather than be in there. Cisco and Campbell were in there against San Francisco, and it didn't seem to matter. And Cisco and Campbell were in there against Cincinnati, and it didn't seem to matter. So let's see some other guys out there. Maybe Cisco and Campbell can get rested up for the stretch run. And if you look at Baltimore, if you're going to be without two or half of your starting secondary, Baltimore's not the worst team for that to happen against because they uh-huh. like to run the ball. They like the short passing game. They'll take a deep shot to Odo Beckham every once in a while. But a lot of what Baltimore does is a little hitch route to Zay Flowers for eight yards that he'll turn into 30. You got to tackle these guys when they catch the ball. They don't go downfield a lot. They break tackles and make big plays. Yeah, in, in the last two weeks, they missed 13 tackles against Cincinnati, 12 against Cleveland. I was surprised when Mike Cobwell said the one thing they needed to prove upon more than anything was tackling. I thought it'd be pass rush. They were doing a better job this year tackling, but that's gotten away from them the last two weeks. They better tackle on Sunday night. You're right. And with Cisco being out, you know, I'm very curious to see two young guys. I want to see more of Parker Washington, and I want to see more of Antonio Johnson. You're going to see it. Yeah, I've seen enough of Johnson. I want to see more. Yeah, he's a very physical guy, and we'll see what he can do um, as far as his coverage skills. What else tonight? A lot of Jaguar talk. We'll actually go to Baltimore. WNST Radio's Luke Jones will give us the Ravens' perspective of this matchup on Sunday. He is coming up in about 20 minutes. Also, Jacob Rudner, 24-7sports.com, covering the Florida Gators. Early signing period next Wednesday. I know. Hard. It just, I mean, it gets here like that. And I'll tell you, Rick, I know we'll talk more about this next week. There's a big, a big noise being made among college football media. Transfer portal, early signing period, bowl preparation. There's too much right now. There's too much in the month of December. They're going to have to figure out what to do because too much is going on. Yeah, that's a fair point. All right, have a lot of fun. Hackers up next. RJ, enjoyed it. Loved it, my man. Always a lot of fun. You listeners out there, go have some spirits, right? Just don't drive. We're going to fix this. It's the last thing I do. Change it around. I can't have that happen to the great folks of Duval. Sooner or later, it'll change. Trust me on that one. In the meantime, win some games like Sunday night against the Baltimore Ravens. That'll do it. Thank you to Dave Campo. Thank you to the Philly Rooster. For R.J. Saunders, I'm Rick Ballou. I'll see you at the bank on Sunday. We're back Monday at 6 o'clock.